I'm in no hurry. There's a, there's a spirit in the house today. Have you picked that up? There's something fresh. There's, there, there's a hunger. There's a, there's a recognition of our need for him. Father, we celebrate you today. We celebrate you today, God. Mm. Just raise your hands to him, whether you're sitting, whether you're standing. Just, we, we can't move on until we just give him praise. Father, we acknowledge you today, God. We celebrate you today, God. Lord, you are Lord of all. You are King of kings. You are Lord of all. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Father, we want to be in your presence. Father, we want to be in the very center of your will, God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Father, we intercede for our family members. I want you to each think of someone in your family, your immediate family, who, who needs Jesus. I want you to zero in and don't say, God, take care of my household. That's too, that's too general. We, we want you to be specific right now. Just think in your mind's eye. Just think for a moment of that face. Think of that one immediate family member that if they came to Christ in a passionate way, if they gave their lives to our Lord and Savior, if they allowed Jesus to take over, Imagine the difference that it would make in your family. It could be an uncle, it could be a nephew, it could be an aunt, it could be a niece. Father, we intercede right now for that family member. Lord, each of us is thinking of one person, that one face, God, that we know if they came to you and they, they totally surrendered everything to you, God, the entire family structure would be different. Father God, we intercede for that person right now. Lord, whatever it is that keeps you from able to reaching them, Lord, let that be gone in Jesus' name. It might be fear. It might be shame. It might be guilt. It might be anger. But Father, we intercede for that person right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let there be kingdom connections, God, and divine appointments. Lord, when they've never been open before to hearing when they've never been open, God, to, to receiving, when there's never been that opportunity, God. Allow it to happen in the coming days, not this summer, not this fall, but, Lord, maybe this weekend, today, tomorrow, Tuesday at a picnic, around the swimming pool, around the fire, around the hot dogs, around the chips. God, you can use any of those moments, but, Father, set it up in Jesus' name. Prepare the way, God. Prepare the way, Lord. So as a house, we are expecting there to be a move of God in these scenarios. Father, this is not just a ritual where we pray for our loved ones. We are expecting you to move in the name of Jesus. Father, give us the boldness. Forgive us, Lord, when we shrink down. Forgive us, Lord, when we succumb to fear. Help us, Lord, to share your love. Help us, God, to tell our story through our imperfections, through our own mistakes, through our own history, at times even in the midst of hypocrisy. Father, not one of us in this room have been perfect in our witness for you. But, Father, we will not allow that to be the barrier. Father, we will not allow that to be the stumbling block. Father, when we talk to this relative, Father, let us come humbly. Let us come before them and say, listen, I, there's times I've messed up, and I've messed up with you. Will you forgive me? I've, I've, I've blown it sometimes. I've not always been the man I want to be. I've not always been the woman that I want to be. But let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me tell you what God means to me. In the midst of my failures, in the midst of my mistakes, this is what God has done in my life. So Holy Spirit, in the next two or three days, prompt us, equip us, 
set into motion that scenario, God, where your name can be glorified. Hearts will be opened. Hearts will be softened, God. Woo! Father, lives and souls are in the balance. They're in the balance. They're in the balance. Let us have that passion inside. Let us have that perseverance inside. And help us, God, to have a passion for souls, but help us to target this one individual in the coming days. And the entire church said, amen and amen. Woo! Listen, church, you want to make the enemy mad? When this happens, notice I didn't say if, when these things happen, make sure you tell some people. Make sure you send it in as a testimony. Is it, is it testimony at, is that what we have? Testimony at vccmail.org or call the office. But we want to rejoice with you when God does these things. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and have a seat if you would. I think we have some newlyweds in the house. I didn't say if you want to be a newlywed, clap. I didn't say that now over here. But we have some newlyweds in the house, Sarah and Joe. Am I right? A couple of weeks ago. Am I right? You've been really, am I, am, I, am I correct information? So recently married a couple of weeks ago, first time at church. Is that correct? All right. You're really embarrassed now, aren't you? You are. I know. But give me that dollar you promised me, okay? But we welcome you to the house, and uh, we bless you in your marriage. Absolutely. There's a, there's a spirit in the house today, a good spirit. Sometimes there's a sweet spirit. You ever you know those sweet spirits where you just want to just sort of bask? And today there's just a uh, there's a uh spirit. There just is a, there's a, there's a uh. I don't know how you, those of you that are taking notes, that's U-G-H. And that's all I got. Patty Rollins' mom is in the house. It's so good to see you. We love you. It's, I haven't seen you for a while, dear. It's, I'm just glad you're here. You've been here. Now, she's calling me out. She says, well, I've been here. You just ain't been looking. And uh, Okay. I'm not going to give you any more love ever again. <laughs> but I just saw you, and you were, like, beaming. And Anyway. My wheels are spinning. I want you to know that. I felt like I don't know what to say. Anybody that know me, that's never a problem. <laughs> I always got verbiage. I just, I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, make sure I'm doing uh, what you want me to do. I know what I've prepared for. You know, I, I want to talk uh, this morning on Zephaniah chapter 3. And any of you that have done any studies of, of the prophets recognize that there's there's, there's many different parts to uh, prophets. That, you know, there's there are about 12 what they call minor prophets, and the reason they're called minor is because not that they're, they're any less important in the Bible, not that they're any uh, less significant, but they're just typically a little smaller book uh, considering the major prophets. Many of you are not necessarily Old Testament scholars, but the thing about when you, when you read anything about in, in, the, in, the, in the books of the, that there's prophecy in the prophets is is, is there's, 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 there's times where you don't want to hear what God is saying to us. When you read in the prophets of, of the warnings that come, that it's time to turn, that it's time to repent. And the cool thing about that is it's not like the old Sunday school teacher or the old school teacher that, that maybe was harsh on you and all they did was yell, 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 yell. The cool thing about the prophets is this. When a prophet of God spoke, he would talk often about how it's time to turn. It's time to recognize there's a need for repentance. There's a, there's a need for you to turn back to God and turn away from the things that are not of God. There's a common pattern emerges in most of the, of the prophets. There's a warning of impending judgment. There's a description of sin. How many of you know that person, and that was all Holy Spirit. I didn't, listen, that, that whole thing, praying for family members, that was all God. That, that wasn't part of the plan, that wasn't in the notes, that, that was Holy Spirit driven. There's some people, listen, there's some people you'll be coming in contact with in the coming days that you kind of gave up on. 
There's some people that you think, oh, my, my uncle, he's so crass, and my uncle, he's so hardened, and, and I've tried to witness to him, and I've tried to... Can I, can I share with some of you that the challenge some of you have had is you've already allowed there to be a wall built between you and that relative. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Dan? I love everybody. I especially love my relatives. But for some of you, you have no difficulty in making a list of the areas that they have failed. You see, and, and you think, well, I've, I've never told them that. They don't know how I feel, but you've, you've vented to other relatives. And you've done it in the name of love. You've done it in the name of prayer. And your heart is basically right, but you've still let it out of your lips. Hear me. All the ways that those relatives have failed the family, have failed you, and failed God. And can I tell you, if we're talking about the prophets, and we're talking about how in every prophetic book, there, there's a very clear description of how the people have been sinning. But can I share with you that when one of your relatives is living in sin, they already know they're living in sin. You don't need to do a Holy Spirit's job. I heard myself praying earlier that for some of you, the first step isn't going to be presenting the Romans road. The first step isn't going to be quoting John 3.16. But for you, the first step is going to be an apology. Where you come to them with a humble heart and say, listen, Uncle Joe, Aunt Susie, Mom, I have failed you. And I owe you an apology. I've not always been the man that I want to be. And there's been times I've blown it. Oh, what do you mean, sweetheart? You, you've never blown it. You're, you're perfect. And you say, no, 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 no. I've blown it. I, I've been judgmental. I've let words come out of my mouth, if not to you, to other family members. And that's not my heart. So, first of all, will you forgive me? I have failed you. And these are areas I'm still working on. These are areas that I want to be a better man. I want to be a better woman. But having said that, can I share with you what God's been doing in my life? Can I share with you where I've come from? And, and don't talk about victory. Like, it's not about a church. It's about a relationship that you have with Jesus. And what has he done for you? It's about this. It's about what, this is what God has done for me. There, there's like this funnel thing, and, and there it is. And, and this is what God has done in my life. And I, I just want you to have the, the same type of freedom and the same type of love that I try to have. And there's times I fail because my humanity gets in the way. But really, Uncle Joe and Aunt Susie, I, I really try to be a better person. Try that approach. So, there's some patterns in the prophets, and we learn that there's often impending judgment that's coming because of sinfulness. There's description of sin. There's depiction of com coming judgment. There's a call for repentance. You know, I, I was it was it Pastor Jim that talked about going 35 miles an hour, or was that Pastor Ben? I overheard somebody was, and so I'm changing my, my uh, sermon now because of that. I've been pulled over once or twice. I know I'm the only one in the room. And it's, it's that feeling of when you know that you're nailed. When you know you're guilty. It's like you're buzzing through, then all of a sudden you, you see the lights in the mirror, and you're like, oh no, maybe it's for that other guy. And you realize, no, he just sort of zooms in behind you, and you, and you, you pull off to the side of the road a little bit, hoping he'll pass you, and you, he doesn't pass you, he follows you, and you're like, oh, I'm nailed. See, when Holy Spirit's working in our lives, if Holy Spirit's setting up that conversation, if, if Jesus loves this person enough, which he does, he's going to set up that kind of a conversation where they already know their need of him. And they're not looking for religion. They, they don't want to come to victory. It's not about our worship style. None of, none of that matters.
it's about having a relationship with Him and allowing Him to be their Lord and Savior. Amen? We're talking this morning about the book of Zephaniah. And the very first verse says that the word of the Lord came to Zephaniah. And, and the reason was because portions of that kingdom were, were in deeper sin and rebellion against the law of God. And this little book of just three chapters is a call for change that even King Josiah back then was wanting to happen and wanting to see occur. There's a call for repentance in chapter 2. There's a warning to the surrounding nations in this little book. I'm setting this up for one of our main scriptures this morning. Then all of a sudden, there was an amazing shift, as so often is the case in prophets. There's there this little shift that occurred that, that on the side of the destruction of his wrath, God puts the recreating power of his love. So here's the bottom line. When you get called up, pulled over by the cops and you know you're guilty, okay, boom, I'm guilty. I blew it. Here's the cool thing. They don't put you in the slammer. They don't typically take away your license for one infraction, right? They can, you can still end up driving. God, in a much deeper way, even though he calls us to repent from sin, even though he calls us to a higher plane in him, the cool thing about this whole prophetic book is his redeeming love. His love. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, his redeeming love is always there for you and always there for me. That is the message of the cross of Calvary. That is the message of the gospel, that his redemption is always available to us. There's always a plan for revival. There's always a plan for purification. Our main scripture this morning is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Look at the screen if you would. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. I want you to hear that phrase, the mighty warrior who saves. Some of you have been so worn out because you're trying to fight your own battle. Some of you have been so worn out because your, your, your sword is dull, because you're out there all the time in the front line. Can I tell you something? He is our mighty warrior, and he is the one that saves. Some of you have been trying too hard to witness to your family in your own strength. He is the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice with you over singing. Rejoice with you over singing. This is a familiar passage for many of us, and may, many of you maybe have never thought about that, but what's it like to have the Lord rejoice over us in singing? If he was able to create the world with one word, with one word, if he was able to create the world, then what can he do in singing? All of us have held a baby or a time or two, especially some of you grandmas and mamas, when you hold babies, just, it's like there's a button that gets pressed. You make sure the diaper's clean, make sure the bottle's full, you grab the baby, you grab the diaper, and then all of a sudden you start to sing a lullaby. There's just something that comes out. There's like a button that gets pressed, and there's a lullaby. There's, why, why is it it's joyful to hold a baby? It's encouraging. There's something about the purity of a baby, the innocence of a baby, that you just sort of hum, or you sing, or you rejoice and sing over that little one. That's how God sees you and God sees me. See, when you look in the mirror, oftentimes you see in the reflection all of the bad stuff, all of the yuck, all of the muck, all of the scars, all of the war wounds. When God sees you and me, he rejoices with singing. He sees the potential. He sees the restoration. He sees the redemption in you. He sees the potential in you. See, we prayed over Josh and, and Tori, and, and we're so excited, brother, because you have no idea what's coming. These next six months, your world's going to be rocked because you're going to have experiences and exposure to opportunities to witness for him. There's a new mantle coming upon you. No doubt that staff and that pastor will pray over you when you're up there over the next couple of weeks. And, and with that's going to come brand new opportunities. See, when, when, when God rejoices over us in singing, he's thinking about those opportunities. He's thinking about... The, the benefits of having a walk with him. He is rejoicing over how he created you to be. He's happy with his creation. Do you recognize that? He is not as displeased with you as you think he is. He loves us despite ourselves. He loves us despite our poor choices. He loves us despite our mistakes. When I think of the voice of God singing... I hear the Niagara Falls. You ever been to Niagara Falls? Can I tell you something? It's even prettier and cooler in the winter. Did you know that? 
It's, it's awesome in the winter. When you go to Niagara Falls in the wintertime, on the, uh, uh, the railings that are there, which, by the way, don't climb over the railings. I'm just telling you from personal experience. <laughs> but when you go up there in the wintertime, that mist that's in the air, it ends up getting on the railings, and it forms ice. And those little railings that are, what, a couple of inches or so end up being three or four? It's just awesome. So go. But when I think of God's voice, I, I hear the booming sound of Niagara Falls mingling and also with the trickle of a mossy mountain stream. I hear the blast of Mount St. Helens mingling with a kitten's purr. See, when we think of God's voice, it depends on what your need is for that season of your life. What do you need? What do you need? I, I'm a pretty soft and tender-hearted guy for the most part. I, I, I think I operate that way for the most part. Right, Patty? She, okay. And uh, I really am, and I've been that way as a dad. And Not perfect, but you know, I try to be soft and approachable. But there's been a time or two where when the girls were little, and they were toddlers, right? And they're a little too close to the curb, and that you could just see their body begin to shift toward like they're going to step that direction. And all of a sudden, out of me came the, the, the roar of Mount St. Helens. Because I'm like, get away! And I don't know what even came out of it, because that's not typically me. I'm not a yeller, I'm not a screamer. But it came out, why? Because that's what was needed out of my voice at that moment. I couldn't say, hey, come, come here, girls, come here. Because there's a big old Mack truck coming, and I don't want them to step in front of that Mack truck. You understand what I'm saying? So when we talk about the voice of God, sometimes we need scared. Sometimes we need alerted. I can remember doing that one time or two when my girls were toddlers, and, and you'd have that voice come out of it out of protection. And because they weren't used to my voice being like that, they would jump and they would, oh, Daddy, what's wrong? And I would much rather have them be scared for a moment, cry, be a little upset because they didn't understand. But then when I went over and hugged them and said, hey, listen, Daddy loves you. But do you see that big old Mack truck going by, honey? I don't want you to be a pancake. I love you too much to see you become a pancake. Speaking of pancakes. <laughs> blueberry syrup, baby, that's where it's at. You maple people, seriously, it's 2017. Get over it, all right? It's blueberry syrup and real butter. Not that fluffy stuff. No! Our God is rejoicing over you, and our God is rejoicing over me with loud singing. He loves us. He sometimes coddles us. And sometimes he yells with, with rejoicing and shouting and hallelujahs because he so celebrates who we are. And when some of you hear that, you say, oh, no, 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 I, I can't believe that because I'm too guilty that God would ever rejoice over me. Some of you would say, oh, no, 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 I, I can't believe that because I'm surrounded by my enemies and obstacles that beset me on my every side. See, oh, Pastor Dan, you don't realize you live in this great godly Christian home. That's not where I live. You don't live in my world. Listen to what the Lord says about that. The Lord is a warrior who gives victory. Verse 19 later on says, behold, at that time, I will deal with your oppressors. Give it to him. Give it to God. And what, watch what God does with that. If you give him the battle, give him the permission, and say, God, my hands are off. My sword is dull. I can't do this anymore. God, it's in your hands. You are the mighty warrior who saves. Some of you say, you know, I, I can't believe that. I can't believe God would sing over me because he's a great and holy God, and I feel like he's far away from me. I can't ever be close to his holiness because I'm far from that. Oh, Pastor, and if you knew some of the choices I made this past week, you wouldn't even want to look me in the eye. Can I tell you, church, there's times where a pastor doesn't have to be very discerning to know what kind of week you've had. Because when I greet you sometimes and look you in the eye and you look away, that doesn't always mean this, but sometimes it's looking away out of shame. Some of you don't receive visits. Hear me. Some of you don't receive visits from close family members. The reason is they feel shame coming forth from you when they see you.
want you to take an inventory. See, this whole thing of presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, some of it's on, on us. Pastor Dan, they're just living in rebellion. They, they're making choices that are so anti-scripture, so I can't even, I can't even hardly look at them. They're making some choices that, oh man, if you only knew what I've been through. Well, if you only know what they've been through. Because when you have an adult child, mom and dad, you think you know the story, but you don't know the whole story. May your home be, may my home be, a home where people do not feel shame when they come there. I'm taking my time with this because I want you to take an inventory of your approach. I want you to take an inventory of your style. When, when people come into your home, particularly close relatives, the ones you've been praying for. Make sure that indirectly they're not feeling shame coming forth from you. Pastor Dan, that's not my heart. Oh, how dare you even bring that up to me? Pastor Dan, I love my children. I pray for them. I drug them to Sunday school. I crammed the word in their mouths when they were younger. I am a Christian woman. I am a Christian man, and they know where I stand. Church, you don't know their whole story. May the compassion of our Heavenly Father so emanate from your heart that your eyes only show that compassion. See, they, they already know the mistakes they're making. They already know how they blow it. You're not Holy Spirit. When we're talking about the prophets, there's always a warning of where they've been sinful. There's always a, a portion of the prophets that, that indicate this is the area where you've been sitting. And that's God's prerogative to do that. That's his prerogative to write that way. But there's a few things out of Zephaniah chapter 3 I want to bring to our attention. And couple other quick translations and the New Living Translation of the same verse. Listen to what it says. It says, for the, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all of your fears. Did you hear that? With his love he will calm not some but he will calm all of your fears. Look at, look at the message version. Here's what it says. It says, your God is present among you, a strong warrior there to save you. Happy to have you back. I can't help but think of the prodigal son. The prodigal son went and did his own thing. We Most of us know the story. And he's assuming, oh, dad ain't going to want to see me. I've been, a, I've been a real pickle. I've been making some really bad choices. Spent a lot of money, wine, women, and song, and the whole deal. And dad ain't going to want to see me. What did dad do? Son, welcome home. This verse talks about that. He's happy to have you back. So there's a couple of practical promises that are in this passage I want to bring to our attention. I promise I'll be, I'll be brief, but there's some really good gold here in, in this passage of Zephaniah. It says this, number one is God's presence, that he's with us. The Lord is with you. Whether you feel it or not, he's with you. Whether you feel abandoned or not, he's with you. He's, his presence is with us. John 14, 18 says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. No matter how many times you've been let down by others, God is consistent. God will not let you down. God will come to you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this. It says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Isn't that awesome? See, God the Father is not like your father. Two. Not only is God 
with us, but he's also for us. He's with us. He's mighty to save. John 10, verses 28 29 says this, I, I give them eternal life so that they will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. He is here for you. No matter what you've gone through, no matter how many times you've stumbled and fallen, he is here for you. Romans 8.31 says that if, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? If you've got him, better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. If you're with him, you've got all that you need. So God is with us, God is for us, and God delights in you. This is one of the most challenging portions for many of you. You just can't imagine how God would like you because you don't like yourself. And that's a tough hurdle to get over. That's a biggie, not going to lie. God delights in you. The word delight means to be bright and to be cheerful. Some of you automatically think that God frowns when he thinks of you. That when God's up there going through his little yearbook, you know, oh, oh memories, oh, the church directory, oh, hey, what happened to them? Oh, oh she passed away last year. Oh, we, we, oh, oh, <laughs> ew, yuck. That's not how God operates. No matter what you have believed for years, God doesn't operate that way. When he sees you, he delights in you with all of your faults, with all of your mistakes, with all of your blemishes. God delights in you. Oh. You ever heard anybody say, oh, that's a face only a mother could love? <laughs> Phil, what did you say? <laughs> Think about what that means. A father and a mother's love looks past all the yuck in the mud. Looks past the mud and the bedhead in the morning. The morning breath. Yeah? Now I'm talking turkey, huh? Speaking of turkey. <laughs> so God delights in you. I, I found a quote from Max Licato. Max Licato used to pastor, now he's a real prolific writer in my book. He just, he's a real gifted writer, as most of us know. And here's what he said. God is for you. If he has a calendar, your birthday would be circled. Isn't that awesome? Put that on your refrigerator and look at it, huh? If he drives a car, your name would be on the bumper sticker. Yeah? No more Hillary, no more Trump, no more Bush. Wasn't that long ago I actually saw a bumper sticker about Nixon. I'm thinking, that's an old car. <laughs> Some of you in the room are like, who's Nixon? <laughs> and then Max Licato continues and he says this, if there's a tree in heaven, he's carved your name in the bark. Isn't that awesome? If there's a bridge in heaven, he's put a lock on the side of that bridge. Yeah? That's how much he cares about us. He delights in us. He, number four, God's peace. He, he calms us with his peace. That we will be able to be at rest in his love. When you're anxious, when you're worried, when your heart's palpitating, when you're all those things and you can't rest at night because of all the things spinning, just imagine yourself, and I mean this, envision yourself in the arms of Jesus like you would see a mother coddle a baby. I remember as a two or three year old, very distinctly. Probably less than that because of my size, but I remember being carried in from the vehicle by my dad. I remember being taken out of the back seat, and that was before child seats. I don't know how we got away with that back in the day, but there weren't child seats back then. You just go to grab the kid out of the back seat. And I remember being thrown on my dad's shoulder. And I can remember, like, my legs would bounce. Remember that? Like the legs bounce as he walks, my legs would bounce on his belly, coming in from the driveway into the house, yeah? And I can remember that sense, and my dad was probably around my size, and I can remember that sense of security. Because I was in my daddy's arms. Now, whether or not you've ever had that, or remember that, or you need to picture Jesus that way. That, that God has you. He's got this. There's times he whispers and says, come here, my son. Let me hug you. And there's times when 
you or I are being stupid and we about to step out into the, into the traffic and step our, and then he, hey, get back here. That love is the same. The tone's different, but it's the same love. So God calms you. Last thing is God's praise. He celebrates you. He will rejoice over you with singing. He, he moves from the quiet rest of being in relationship with us to exuberant rejoicing. And if you look up the Hebrew for rejoice, it means to spin around in joy with great gladness and glee. To spin around with joy with great gladness and glee. Now, some of you are thinking, is he really going to do that? And the answer is no. For me, right now. But I remember Brother Andre, his wife, Naomi. A year or two ago, we had a conference here. She's a beautiful South African lady. Um, long, flowing, blonde hair. And I remember she was somewhere in here on, a, on an evening conference worship night. And the Lord's presence was there. And I remember watching her literally just spin around. Just spin around. And, and rejoicing in what God is doing in her life. And just, just celebrating who God is. And you need to know that's what that means. One more translation about this verse. And I'm going to close with this. And I want you to listen very, very carefully to these words. This is a translation taken more directly from the Hebrew. And it, and it really captures the strength of this verse. And it says this. The eternal self-existent God, the God who is three in one, who, who dwells in the center of your being, is a powerful and valiant warrior. This is another version of the same scripture verse. He has come to set you free, to give you safe, to keep you safe, excuse me, and to bring you victory. Now, when you're in a battle for your life, who is there to bring you victory? It's the Lord. He's a valiant warrior. It continues. He is cheered, and he beams with exceeding joy and takes pleasure in your presence. Do you hear that? He takes pleasure in your presence. He likes being near you. He likes you. He believes in you. He loves you. He continues. It says, He has engraved a place for himself in you, and there he quietly rests in his love and affection for you. He cannot contain himself at the thought of you and with the greatest joy, spins around wildly in anticipation over you. In fact, it continues, he shouts and he sings in triumph, joyfully proclaiming the gladness of his heart in a song of rejoicing, all because of you. All because of me. His love for us is unfathomable. His love for you is unending. It's unconditional. His love for us is unconditional. So God's presence, God is with you. God's power, God is for you. God's pleasure, God delights in you. God's peace, God calms you. God's praise, God celebrates you. There's a story of two rock climbers, and one had been on many, many climbs and was a veteran and had been a little bit older and had a lot of experience and so the experienced veteran rock climber went up before the younger guy and halfway up the, the mountaintop and halfway up the big old rock the younger guy that didn't have as much experience was gripped with fear can you imagine we've all seen movies well you know halfway up a mountain somebody's hanging on just with their fingertips those are crazy people I'm just saying that's a whole other sermon So they're going up this mountaintop together and the younger guy is, is getting gripped with fear and, and he looks up and says, I, I, I can't go any further. I can't do this. I'm done. And the veteran rock climber looks down and says, hey, hey, Bob, no, no, it's all good. Number one, I, I've, I've already made the way I've been doing this. I'm good. I've, I've, I've already been this path. We're good. And the second part, he said this. You don't need to worry because we are roped together. If you fall, I got you. See, every one of us in this room, there's times where we're climbing over a mountain that seems too big to get over. It's too long. It, it's, you're tired. You're weary. You want to give up. 
And what the Lord is saying to us this morning, church, is this. Never give up. He's gone before us, and he's got your back. He's got the rope in place. He will not let you fall. I feel like our time of response is going to be pretty simple. If you're in the house this morning and some of this has resonated with you, that you've been paralyzed with fear, or you've been living in so much shame that you have a hard time coming before him, or maybe this is your first time in church in a very, very long time because you you just you can't even be in the presence of a holy God because of some of the choices choices you've made in the lifestyle you've chosen. I really believe today God wants to set, set you free. God wants to set you free. It's, it's really that simple. He's, he's a very, very simple gospel kind of God. He, he just offers himself to us and it's our job to accept it. We don't have to know all the ins and the outs. We don't have to understand it all. There's so much about God. Matter of fact, the longer I know him, the more I don't understand sometimes. The more I study about it, the more I don't understand sometimes. But I'm okay with that, because what I do know, it's good. What I do know, he is faithful. What I do know, he is consistent. And you know what? If there's other stuff I don't know, those mysteries of God, I'm okay with that, because I trust him. He's never let me down. There's times he's wooed me with his love, and there's times he said, hey, how? Step away from that curve. Get over here. And it's the same love. He's had to raise his voice at me a few times. It startled me. I didn't like it. It humbled me. But it's through that humility that God can use us. So this morning, if you're in the house and you've allowed shame for any reason to prevent you from moving forward, I want you to stand right now where you're at. If you're living in a state of shame, of regret, I want you to stand where you're at. We're going to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just stand where you're at. If you're living in shame, we don't care what the reason, we don't care what the history, but we believe that's going to be broken off of you today. I know there's some more that need to stand. You've allowed shame to paralyze you. You've allowed regret to paralyze you. There's some that are standing. One other group that needs to stand today. You're in the house today and you've never even accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You, you're in the house and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Dan, I, this relationship thing, I don't get it because I've never had it, but I want it. I want to have a relationship with a vibrant, living God. That describes me this morning. Would you stand? Don't be bashful. You want to make things right with the Lord. You want to make sure that you're good. One last group. Some of you that have been so beat down by words spoken over you. Some of you that have been so discouraged by choices made that, that you don't feel like you have any empowerment to ever be any kind of a witness for him because you have nothing to give. You've been beat down. You've been discouraged. But you know that God wants you to be more bold for him. You know God wants you to speak for him sometimes and you just don't have anything to give. You need more empowerment of who God is. Would you stand this morning? You want to be able to be that person that speaks truth and righteousness to these family members. You want to be able to be that person that doesn't scale back out of shame or regret or perceived hypocrisy. You want to be more bold for him. Would you please stand? We're going to believe that God's going to honor your transparency this morning. That you would say, yeah, Pastor Dan, listen, I, I want to be able to be more bold. I feel beat down. Some of it's because of me. Some of it's because of others. But I want to be able to stand for Jesus, the lover of my soul, my Savior, my Lord. Is there anyone in the house today? Anybody else? God's going to honor this. God is going to see your heart. 
God is going to allow there to be opportunities given where you can speak forth the truth and the righteousness of the gospel plan, that salvation plan, where you can be bold, you can be strong, you can allow the prophetic to rise up and have a word for somebody that just brings complete healing, brings complete restoration. That's how God wants to use you. It's not people on the platform with a microphone. Church, you are the church. God wants to use you in your household, in your workplace. God wants to give you that download of a word to be able to speak forth into someone's life. That's how God operates. God wants to use you. We are the church. Last encouragement before we pray. Listen to me, everyone. Listen. The first step in being used of God is that first step of faith and trust. Where you're not sure if it's God, and because you're not sure it's God, you, you hold back. That's a lie and a trick of the enemy of our soul. God wants you to be more bold. God wants all of us to be able to step out in faith, and as you make that first step, he will always give you that next word, that next sentence, that next direction. Trust me on this. God will come through every time. Be bold, be strong, be adventurous, step out in faith and say, God, I don't know what the next word will be, but I'm going to trust you'll give it to me, and then here it comes, and whoo, it begins to flow, and the next word flows, and all of a sudden, boom, you're flowing in a way that only God could receive the glory. You watch it happen, and it'll give you encouragement for the next time. Mm. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, for these bold souls that stood in the midst of a large crowd of people saying, I need more of who you are. God, I would pray that in Jesus' name, for those that need a walk with you, that those that need to make a heart transformation, those that need to receive you as their Lord and Savior, that it would happen right now in Jesus' name. They would simply acknowledge that they're a sinner, that they need a Savior. And Father, you're so consistent, you're going to wash them clean right now in the spot. Father, for those in the house that are standing saying, I need more empowerment of your Holy Spirit, God, I pray you would give that to them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let, that, let them not hesitate to speak forth of your righteousness and your purity. Father, give them the boldness that they need in Jesus' name. Let them not hold back. Let them not hold back. Give them everything that they need, God. Everything that they need in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, hear our hearts cry. Father, each of us have thought of some loved one that needs to know you. Every one of us in this room knows somebody. Father, I would pray that you give boldness and opportunity Set the stage, God. Set the stage for something life-transforming to happen by your Holy Spirit. Set the stage. It could be in a backyard barbecue. It could be in a living room. It could be at a kitchen table. But Lord, set the stage in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we are expecting you to move. We are expecting you to move. Not maybe, sort of, kind of, but we are expecting there to be a move of Holy Spirit in these lives, in Jesus' name. We are expecting a difference to occur. Father, so once again, we are thinking about and envisioning in our mind the face of this loved one. Each of us in this room are doing that. The face of a loved one who needs you dearly. Father, set the stage. Set the stage in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. along this morning.
Can I encourage you, church, to write down not only what he told you about who that person was and is, but certainly with that sense of expectancy, we expect you to testify of what God's going to do with that. I'm believing for dozens and dozens of testimonies to come forth this week. Please call the office. Please send us an email and testify what God's going to do in these coming days. Today, tomorrow, and Tuesday, some of you will see these relatives. Be bold. Be strong. Watch what God will do. Amen? Bless the Lord. Can I have the privilege of pronouncing a blessing over you? Look me in the eye if you would. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, we pronounce a blessing and favor on these lives that each heart God would be able to feel and experience your Holy Spirit, would be encouraged. This week will be a week of favor, of blessing, of fruit in the fertile ground. In the fertile ground, bring healing to relationships. Bring destiny into each of these minds' eyes. In Jesus' name. And the entire church said, Amen. God bless you. Have a happy, happy 4th of July.